This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. Matthew 23 in verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. God bless you. You can be seated. We want to end this text focusing on the first portion of that last verse, verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Nothing that we do, nothing that we believe, nothing that we teach is unimportant. It's not just disposable. It's, it's necessary, but Understand, we've got to look at what we teach, what we live, what we believe, and make sure it's, it's right and done properly. Amen. There is uh, here the, the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees, were very concerned with, with very minute details of living for God. But they were missing some things that we need to look at today and make sure we're not missing as well. Amen. We've got to, in this day, the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. It is not enough for us to look at this world and look at all the churches and look at all the the false teaching and the doctrines and say, you know what, I've got more than them and I can tell you where they're wrong and oh, they're way out in left field and, and they've given up this and they're not doing this. Hey, that all may be true, but don't allow yourself to sink into a place where that becomes the validation for where you are. You've got to have it. You've got to be right. More right than wrong, folks, doesn't make you right with God. Amen. Now, he begins, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I would be uh, failing you if I didn't tell you, show you something here that said, you know, there was a lot of messed up church in that day. Um, the Pharisees were, were just, Jesus is getting ready to rebuke them in a whole chapter. That's what chapter 23 is. And there's a lot of bad things going on, we might say, in church. But when he begins he, to talk to his disciples, he makes sure that he tells them, that's not an excuse for you to have a bad attitude or be rebellious. He says, whatever, you know, they, they, they're doing all these bad things, but stay in your place. Whatever they bid you to observe, observe that and do, but just don't do after their works. Amen. Uh, that's a bad place to be for Jesus to have to say, you know, if they say do it, do it, but don't follow their example. I, I, that's, that's a poor excuse for leadership. And sometimes you may be in a situation, it might be a job, it may be a family, it may even be a spiritual situation, I, I hope not. But there may be bad leadership, maybe even in the community. I've heard people uh, justify crimes and say, well, the police, they ought to fix their mess before they... they that's not how it works. Amen. And, and you, can't, you don't say that in your home, you don't say that in church, you don't say that anywhere in your job. You know what, when you get right, I've heard people say it on jobs, when that manager starts dealing with, with himself and this other stuff, then I'll start doing, i stop cheating the company. You're still a cheat. You're still a rebel. You know, there's a place in the Bible where uh, Hagar was a handmaid to Sarah. And Sarah, um, when she 
became, uh, she was expecting their son, she turned around and started dealing harshly with Hagar. And Hagar said, forget about this. I'm, I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm just leaving. leaving this. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to put up with this. And an angel met her. Now, the Bible does not say that Sarah was innocent. In fact, it says Sarah was very harsh with her. You know what the angel said? I'm going to take care of you. Go back. I'm going to take care of you. You go ahead and, and you just just submit and, and be have a right spirit. I'm working in this. And you understand. And you know what? Can I tell you what happened? There was a blessing. When it was all said and done, her son rose up and was blessed by God. Amen. So he tells them, you know, be careful. We're dealing with a lot, but let's be careful of our own spirit. That we don't allow that to develop in us a resentfulness and a, and a rebellion that, no, if you stay close to God, God's going to see you through. I've been there. I've done that. I, I've been in situations spiritually and in jobs and, and in a lot of other places too, probably, where everything was not just perfect. In fact, it was a whole lot less than perfect. But you know what? If you just apply yourself to getting as close to God and say, God, you've got a plan in all this. God will bless you and he'll lead and he'll, he'll, he'll open doors for you. That never would have happened if you would have taken things in your own hands. But it says here that the Pharisees, their motivation, again, Jesus is calling them out and rebuking them. He goes on later. How many remember? He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So he's rebuking them sharply, and, um, and he says, here's one thing. Their motive is all wrong. They're more concerned with what people see than what God sees. They do Now, hear this again. We're going to, this isn't splitting hairs. This, if, if you listen, you'll understand this just makes sense. There's a lot of times in this world that there, there's, I see it in the political discussions that are going on so much, but everything just seems so unreasonable and polarized. It's like, well, you know, I was thinking about this, and right away, oh, you're against it. No, no, I didn't say I was against everything. I just said I'm, I'm looking at something here, and I have to, some thoughts. Don't hear something that's not being said. He's not saying what people see and what's on the outside does not matter. That's important. I can show you in the Bible that the Bible talks about modesty and holiness and, 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 uh, and that we should uh, be concerned with our testimony and our, our witness and people matter. That's not what it's, it's not saying that I don't care what anybody thinks about me is a righteous attitude. That's not a righteous attitude. But it's talking about an imbalance. It's talking about something that is ridiculous that says, you know what? Uh, they're more concerned with people, with, with reputation. Amen? People say, well, God knows my heart. And the Bible says it's the heart that only matters. The heart's going to affect everything else. Again, you're reacting with such an such a, a, a unreasonableness. It, it's not that. He's saying, don't worry about people and what they see or what they experience around you. But when you get things out of order, when you get things out of priority, it becomes detestable to God. We're in this to please God. We're in this to glorify God. And when you begin to glorify God, hey, that's, that's what's going to bring a genuine good spirit in you. When you're more trying to please people, what happens is you start doing what the Pharisees did and you start seeing something. You know what? What they think doesn't matter because they're not going to help get me ahead and they're, they're not going to make me feel important. But these folks over here, oh, they, I, I want them to see this and I'm going to flash my, my, my religion and my, my holiness to them and I want them to see all the... No, 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 no. That's obnoxious. Just be right for God. And people will see the right thing. When you're right with God, you're going to care about other people. You're going to love people. You're going to be done wrong. Praise the Lord. Brother Ron was sharing with me earlier today that he felt like people were very rude and cruel when he was there at the hospital. Praise God. A child of God understands that this world is, is full of sin. 
And what we do is we rise above that and say, you know what, they need to see Jesus in me. They need to see, and, and we all experience that kind of thing. It's why we're teaching on Sunday, or Wednesday nights rather, kind of what we've been dealing with. You know, it, it's a lot of pressure to, to feel that come against us. But as a child of God, uh, we just keep pleasing God. We rise above that and say, you know what, it, it's not what you think. Because what happens is when you start worrying more about what people think than what God thinks, then, then what happens is when people aren't happy, how many think that might happen occasionally? People aren't always happy with us. So if you're trying to please them, then that's kind of your goal and that's your God. And now, you know, your God's not happy with you, so you're miserable. But when you start pleasing God and do right, and, and people will notice that when people condemn you and criticize you and come against you, speak evil of you falsely for his name's sake. You just can keep on growing, keep on learning, keep on loving God. Amen. But the Pharisees were not concerned with real holiness. They weren't concerned with integrity. It wasn't what I am when nobody's looking. But it's like, make sure everybody sees what I'm doing because my reward is their approval. And that's not why we're living for God. Amen. Look what it says in verse 6. He goes on and gets some specifics. We'll start back in verse 5, Matthew 23, verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, enlarge the borders of their garments. You'll find in the Old Testament some of these uh, methods that God continued uh, to to have their the word continually on their mind was the borders of their garments were made a certain way so that it would remind them of their covenant with God. They would take the, the Bible talks about always keeping the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and put this on, bind it around your hearts and keep it before your eyes. And they would have these things called phylacteries that, that they would put in their hands and even bind to their foreheads. And it would have the word of God on it. And... Um, so after a while, this probably seemed like a good idea at first. Wow, somebody said, you know what, let's, let's write some of these laws on leather straps and just keep them in our hands as a reminder. And, and somebody said, well, it says keep it before your eyes. And they literally would put a little scroll into a box. And you can look this up. There's pictures of it. And they strap it on their forehead. And they've got a box on their forehead that's got the hero is or the Lord our God is one Lord. And, and uh, somebody thought, man, that's just going to help me. Remember that God is always, and that, that somebody probably said, that's a great idea. That is neat. That guy, he, he really uh, wants to stay focused on God. And, and I'm going to follow that example. And maybe all of his children did it too. And then maybe their synagogue said, this is kind of neat. This is, all we're doing is trying to, um, to remember that God is our God and we're different. We're separate. And I'm not worried about what I look like to people. I want to just remember that God is for me and God's got a, I've got a covenant with God and God's on my side and I've got my, my border just the way it should be and I've got these straps with the word on it and I've got this thing on my forehead and it's just good and, and uh, you know, don't, don't worry about me. I'm just, I just need this. And then somebody said, yeah, but, but you know what? Did you see mine? My, my leather strap is a little thicker than his. It's a little bigger. You can see it. I want people to see it more. I want people to know I'm serious with God from across the room. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, they should know as much as you. And somebody else said, yeah, but my, my, uh, my border's larger than your border. If you really were spiritual as me, and they started being a competition, and they started getting them. And it was less about remembering the God and more about people seeing how thick these leather straps got and how big their border got. And they missed the whole point. There's a lot of things that start off good with good intentions, but after a while, it becomes a competitive attitude of who is more, uh, more serious, more holy than one. And that's what was happening with the Pharisees. Amen. Look what it says. Let's go on. They enlarge their, they make broad their phylacteries. They enlarge the borders of their garments. Verse six, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. Here, here it is. You'd be surprised. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. But a lot of folks can slip into this and get this idea, well, wait a minute. I want people to recognize me. I want people to, to know that, that, that uh, you know, I get the best seat and I get the, get the recognition and I, I got the uppermost 
place in the feast and had nothing to do with mingling and helping people like us. Just common people. You know, when you've got the chief seats in the house, you're going to get around, get away from all the riffraff. But, you know, they're the ones that need Jesus. So am I trying to please God? Am I trying to help people? No, I want to be honored and I want to be respected. I want people to, oh, when they call me rabbi, rabbi. And, and, uh, and it, the Bible says, but be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. It's just saying we respect one another and we try to show people honor, absolutely. But when that is your goal, when that is your reward, you're, you're missing it. Amen. Be not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And you are all brethren. Call no man father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he, listen now, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Humble yourself. Serve the, the needs. Your value... Let's talk about this a little bit. Being great in the kingdom of God. Being everything God's called you to be. Your value in God's kingdom, according to God, is based on how you treat the least. Your attitude, your actions towards those that may not seem worth a whole lot to the world. The ones that you're not going to get a lot back from. You have nothing to gain to position yourself to greatness in man's sight. Those are the people that God says, I want you to serve. I want you to bless. I want you to help. Amen. Who is greatest? The one that has the most value in the kingdom of God is the one that serves, that gives, that loves. Amen. The one that has an attitude and a heart to be a help and a blessing. Amen. When you see the pious, proud attitude of the Pharisees and people are seeing that and in their minds they're recognized that's greatness, that's holiness, that's, that's a, that is someone who's close to God. And there's someone out here in the corner just maybe helping, encouraging, blessing, strengthening, doing what needs to be done. Can I tell you, God's not impressed by, the, by that attitude of being better than other people, but getting the job done and serving, amen, is valuable in the kingdom of God. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. The attitude, the idea here, rather, is that an attitude of pride may receive rewards. I know of people uh, that have gotten to just to the end of their rope and have said, you know what? I've done so much and I get so little credit for it. Can I tell you the credit's coming? Don't, don't do that. Don't get just, I've, I've said, heard people say already, I've done that for years. Now it's up to somebody else and let them do it and let them. Can I tell you why were you doing it in the first place? When you do things for God, you may not receive a reward here. You're going to be so glad when you get your reward over there. That's what we're doing it for. What has happened to people that say, you know what, I'm not looking for recognition. I'm not looking for, hey, we all want to be appreciated. I understand that. But understand the motive for what you're doing has got to be a heavenly motive. The Pharisees just wanted that recognition and that approval of men. Whosoever shall exalt himself, you start trying to somehow... Push yourself forward and try to, to do what, what may, rather than helping and serving and doing and just getting the job done no matter what. Amen. Because you want to see God's kingdom furthered. You want to see God's name glorified. When you start trying to push your own name and your own uh, uh, approval ratings, if I could say it that way, you know what? You will be abased. You may walk away from this life and say, I was very respected and, and people knew that I was this and that. When we stand before God, you will be abased because of your pride. He that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You know what? The prophet, was God was speaking through him, said to King Saul, said when you were little in your own eyes is when you were able to be anointed king. 
when you didn't feel like you deserved the, the glory and the honor, when you weren't concerned with all that, when we needed a king and you were hiding amongst the stuff, that's when we sought you out and said, get up here. You're the king. Amen. Solomon heard from God and said, I'll give you anything you ask. And he said, I'm just a child. I need your wisdom. I don't know what I'm doing. God said, you could have asked for riches. You could have asked for long life. You could have asked for the victory over all your enemies. You could have asked for so much. And your heart was saying, I'm just a child. I'm just little in my own eyes. I, I need you to help me do what I need to do. I need you to help me to be effectively working in your kingdom. I don't want to just be a rich king. I want to help your kingdom. I don't want to just be a victorious king. I want to help your kingdom. I want to see people strengthened and blessed. And can I tell you, God said, I'll give you wisdom, but I'll also give you your victory and riches as well because you've so got my attention. Hallelujah. When you humble yourself is when you will be exalted. But we want to move on here just for a little while longer and look at a very familiar portion of Scripture. We've been over it many times. I'm not really sure why God's got us back here again right now. But we're looking at dropping down to Matthew 23 in verse 23. And it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Can we get that seriousness of this phrase, Woe unto you. Trouble's coming your way. God's not happy with you. Woe unto you. Judgment is ahead for you. Amen. I feel sorry for what's coming your way. Pharisee. And he says, hypocrites. He says, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Their spices and their herbs, they were very meticulous in making sure that God got his first tenth. But it says you have omitted. Now, here's this. This is dangerous, maybe for some. I don't feel like I'm on thin ice at all. I thank God for people that are that 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 know we're going to stay in the word. But you remember, I've told you before that when they came to Jesus and said, what's the most important commandment? It was kind of a loaded question. You know, you say thou shalt not kill. And they're going to do that. What I was talking about, that political reaction of just extreme kind of uh, of not listening. Oh, you're pro adultery. Did you hear what he said? He's for adultery. He says, that's no big deal. That's not he wasn't going to play that game. If he would say, oh, you know, I I just I just think uh, you shouldn't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Oh, you don't think it's wrong to bear false witness. So you don't you don't think lying's a big deal, do you? Huh? And that's what they were going to do to him. I'm going to kind of give you something that Jesus said here. And if you've got a problem with it, you're going to have to take it up with him. But he says that they tithed of all these just small herbs and spices. But they were so they were so meticulous in this. They were so careful in this. He's not condemning this or any other portion of their dedication. But it says they have also they have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Now, when the Lord says there are weightier matters of the law, this, you want to be careful how you hear what's being said. Because Jesus is not saying, and I'm not saying, that there are aspects of God's word, of truth, of the principles of God's word, how we apply them to our lives that are unimportant. No. We're not saying one thing is unimportant or not valuable to us or to the church. But just like we said earlier that when you put God in his rightful place, it will seem silly to do anything else. When you're pleasing man and not pleasing God, looking like you're trying to be a servant of God, that's just ridiculous. You've got it all out of order There are things that we can have out of order in our lives when it comes to living close to God that I think sometimes we can, if we're not careful, we can we can get mixed up and wonder what in the world is going on. He says, you've omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy and faith. Listen now, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So he's not teaching against tithing or even this specific 
carefulness in their tithing. But he's saying that if you are very, very careful, hey, what you doing over there? I'm out in my garden. Oh, really? Uh, what are you doing in your garden? I want to make sure that God gets the first fruits of my garden. And you understand that these spices and these herbs, they were living in more of a agricultural society. They weren't working out in factories or a lot of jobs like what we have today. And you just get a paycheck and uh, you just move your decimal point, write a check and put it in there. They had to literally go out there and just go one sheep, two sheep, three sheep, four sheep, five sheep, seven eight, nine, ten, ten. That one's the, uh, pick the best out of those ten, give it to God. They had to do those things with their, with their crops, with their, uh, but they're going now, they're going down, hey, we tithed our, our, our wheat and we tithed whatever other, uh, uh, harvest that we have we brought in the bushel baskets one tenth of everything the first of our increase but now what are you doing i've got an herb garden over here i've got some some anise and some cumin and i'm counting out leaves of herbs and i'm just i want to make sure every tenth one the best one of the ten i'm given to god awesome did i see you act in an unforgiving way to your neighbor the other day? Oh, just shut up and leave me alone. (laughs) Did you say you don't trust God and believe God's going to help see you through this battle? Oh, just don't worry about that. I'm, I'm busy right now. Being meticulous in what we do for God in any area of our life is is right and good if we have the weightier matters taken care of. It's foolish to say that I'm, I, I dress in a way that is, is righteous and modest and you're committing adultery. Amen? When I tell you, hey, let's get to an altar and repent of that adultery first and worry about that, don't turn around and say, he said he's not a for holiness. Absolutely not what we're saying. But it is silly. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus goes on to present to us in the text. He goes on and says, you know, you blind guides which strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. The particularities of, uh, of living for God are, are beautiful and right if you're not having camels walking around the room. In your attitude and in your, he said, faith and, and mercy and righteous judgment, uh, being able to say, hey, that's, this is what is right and what is good, amen? If you don't have those in line, everything else just seems silly, right? We've said it many times uh, in, in the same way. He's comparing the two to, to, to have somebody cleaning up the, the house and I'm, I'm in the kitchen here and what are you doing? Well, there's this little fruit fly that I'm trying to catch and uh, where is it? I don't know. He's so small sometimes you can't even see him but oh, there, I think there he went. I'm going to go get this fruit fly. You do realize you've got a camel walking around the room. You do realize someone left the door open. I don't know how he squeezed in there but you've got a camel walking through this, this kitchen filthing everything up. That's how silly it would be. Amen? It's not that the gnat, if you got the camel away and there was no camel in the room, then getting the gnat out of the room would be reasonable and right and I would appreciate it because I wouldn't want to find it in my stew. But if you are preoccupied with the gnat while the camel needs to be pushed out of the house, then, then, then that's silly, that's ridiculous. And so often, can I tell you, we can fall into that because there are things that I find very important. Things that I know are biblical and right. And dare I say, if you don't get it right, you're not getting to heaven. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. But it's easy to see those things and realize, hey, first we've got to get some camels out of the room. First, before we go ahead and tell somebody, hey, you need to be dressing right and you need to be doing right, you, we need to deal with something that's so much bigger. I've seen it so many times, and it is so silly to me to be dealing with, with leaves when there is rot in the, in, the, in the roots. It's as silly as straining at a net 
and ignoring the camel in the room. Praise God. Priorities that are so important. Somebody in, in, a, in a hospital room, did we talk about it this morning, about the church being like a hospital? And, and there, there's a, a word that we dealt with the other day. Actually, it was, many, it was several years ago. We preached about a French word that's triage. And I, and I hear it come up often in different kind of aspects where there are just some things when, when you have a, a, an emergency situation, there is an evaluation that's done. There are some people that what they're dealing with, it's not unimportant. It just can wait because there's other things that take precedence over that. So they're put in a category to say, you know what, they're going to be all right if we can get to that later. But first things first. It would be foolish to deal with someone with an abrasion when there's someone else that may be internally bleeding. You say, well, don't you care about the person with a scrape? Oh, it's not that way. They'll live. This other thing that we're dealing with is so much more necessary to get attention now. Amen. It's not that you don't care. It's that first things have to come first. Are you hearing me? Can I tell you something else about triage? There's another group. There's a, can I say a third group? You've got the people that need attention immediately. And you've got people that they can wait. They're going to get attention and it's going to be dealt with. But we need to deal with first things first. Uh, How many know, I'm not asking you to call it out, but how many of you know the third category? The third category is don't waste your time on them. They're not, they're beyond help. Amen. You say, well, don't you care about what they're doing? Don't you care? Isn't that important what they're going through? Yeah, but if I spend all my time on them, they're still not going to survive. And this person over here, I can spend that time more valuably. I shared this with someone in a different setting completely than church a while back, and I told them, you know, everybody's important in this world. Everybody matters to God, and everybody matters to the church. But I found... Wisdom is not saying you're not worth my time, but wisdom is saying my time may be better used elsewhere. Amen. If there was just an unlimited amount of time and unlimited amount of energy, then everybody could just get as much as they needed and more. But sometimes there's there's places you can help and people you can help, and you can waste your time on things that just are not going to budge. And that's got to be God leading that. That's got to be God. But listen to me right now. The idea of straining at a gnat is having an attitude that somehow makes... I'll tell you what happens. There's some pride in here. And if you can have an ear to hear what the Spirit's going to say to you, pay attention. Sometimes we can be so particular about gnats, and that is our kind of cop-out, our lazy way of saying I care, I'm, I'm, I, I want God's will, I want God's best. But can I tell you, if you really want God's best in your life, deal with first things first. Sometimes people get so caught up in details that they never get these weightier matters right, and it's a trap, it's a carnal trap that makes them feel justified. Well, this is so important to me, but it's not nearly as important as some of these weightier matters of integrity, of being right with God of having mercy, of, of, of having faith. If you're not dealing with those things and you're looking at some of the externals, some of the minute details, you're missing the way that we get right with God. When you're dealing more with what people see than what God really sees, you're off base. When what's more important to you, it's like I've seen it in training children. People, I, I just want them to, to, to shut up and behave. I don't, don't embarrass me in front of this company. And you're not really concerned with discipline and training. You're concerned with people saying, wow, your children are very well behaved. Well, you know what? It may take longer and it may be more difficult. And there may be people looking at them and saying, oh, I can't believe. But when you're dealing with first things first, there'll be better outcome in the long haul. Amen. And that long haul may be a while, but you deal with the foundation and build on that. Straining in a gnat makes you feel like you're doing something. But really, when you look in the grand scheme and God's saying, let's deal with this foundational issue. Let's deal with with a bigger 
a bigger issue, a more important, more pressing issue. And you say, ah, oh, no, 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 I'm too busy being so zealous about this. You're missing something. You know, I, I run into people sometimes that are very, very, I, I think they have more time on their hands and they really need to get busy for the kingdom of God. But I run into people that uh, sometimes they're into these conspiracy theories. Sometimes they're, they're looking for lost books of the Bible or they're looking for mysteries in the Bible. And they'll come by and say, uh, you know, things like you're, you're missing the boat completely. Or, you know, if you start digging deeper into the Bible, there's these hidden things. And, or, or maybe you uh, need to be, go back more to your Jewish roots. Or you need, I mean, sometimes it can get really, really out there and crazy with, with a lot of other things that I won't even mention right now. Or, or sometimes they'll come and talk about doctrines that, that you know what, you need to, you need to, to look at something that, that uh, a little more closely here. And, and, you know, first thing I, I try to look at as, you know, I, I'm all about studying and I, I've got I don't make time to know the Bible better, and and if it's hidden or not, you know, hey, just I'm going to make time for that unless I see the person and I I start talking to them and say, how is this making you a better daddy? How is this making you a better wife, a better parent, a better neighbor? You know, I've seen people that I, I want to I want to learn and I want to grow, but. But, you know, getting more and more detailed about things is, is important to me. But when I see somebody that is, hey, there's this mystery that, that needs to be uh, proclaimed. And you think, well, you know, there's a mystery of why you can't keep a job or why your family is just, your, your wife is, is sad and lonely. And hello? See, I believe the word of God in its right place is going to make us better people. I believe when we make first things first, there's a lot of details and a lot of doctrines that are important to me. But if I'm not being a good neighbor, a good friend, a good husband, then, then none of that, that's straining at gnats to me. That's straining at gnats. I, I want to make sure I spend my time on the most valuable things of, of God's kingdom. And it's silly silly to do anything else you know in romans the 14th chapter will you turn with me to it are you still with me tonight i know it's gotten pretty heavy but you know what we need to understand this we need to recognize what it's really about and get back to the can i say get back to the base of of what we are called to be it says in romans 14 now i want to show you I can show you many times where Paul is looking at the folks that are trying to take you back to the Old Testament, take you back to the law, take you back to uh, a lot of different ceremonies. And, and he says in the book of Colossians, these are all just just uh, shadows of Christ. And these are all pointing to the cross. But but here he, he, he says something about the church that's so important about those details. Romans 14, 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat. Now, again, he's talking about these men and women who came from a Jewish background. All they knew was the old covenant. All they knew was uh, clean and unclean meats and different Sabbath days and things like that. And he says, if they're grieved at your liberty in what you eat, and he said, then you're walking not charitably. What? Are you telling me that charity is a weightier matter than what I than than my liberty to eat whatever food that is set before me that is sanctified by the word of God in prayer? Absolutely. There's a weightier matter, caring about the conscience of your neighbor, of your friend. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of great verse so so rich and so misused really and and not really used to its full potential don't let your good be evil spoken of what is that it means when you have things in priority there's some other things that you know what can will will are a part of your life but love and and charity and caring about people being a good neighbor a good friend is primary you don't hurt people because you can 
say, well, I, the Bible says this is lawful for me, but it's not edifying to the people around you, and your good is going to be evil spoken of. So what's happening is you're straining at gnats and swallowing camels. Don't, don't allow yourself to forget that this is about being a good neighbor, being a good husband, wife, friend, co-worker. Amen? Don't, don't use your doctrine and your understanding to be obnoxious or hurtful in any way. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things therefore wherewith one may edify another. I've been around folks already, and I'm, I know some people you just can't please, but I've, I'm folks say, I, I know better than that, I know more than that, but they don't use it to edify, they use it to hit you over the head. They use it to separate, they use it to judge and condemn, rather than use it to, the Bible says, follow after peace and holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. Follow after those things that bring peace, amen, and edify one another. Hallelujah. Verse, let's go back to Matthew 23. We're in closing. Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 25. For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within. Do you think it's important to have. What would, what would I. I don't know. I, let's, let's not have it for me. What would happen if, if you handed me a cup? Well, I guess what I will. And you say, and I say, that thing is filthy. How about we go to a restaurant? They set out a cup of water, and they say, that is disgusting. And the waiter says, it's just on the outside. Right? Say, no, no, no. I want the outside clean. Amen? This is not saying, hey, it's okay to have a filthy outside of the cup or the platter. Say, this, this, this plate is, has all kind of nasty things hanging on. It's just on the bottom. That's enough. Take it away. For you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. So what's the point of all of what I'm saying? If I told you the outside was clean, but the inside wasn't, that's not acceptable. In fact, that's silly. So we're not saying one is important and one isn't, they're both important, but it would be ridiculous to say that I've got the outside clean and that looks really nice, but there's something inside of it. Make it all clean, amen? Don't allow yourself to have an external worrying about what people think about me, but inside is full of sin. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, then the outside of them may be clean also. Again, just like a scripture that I hear used so often, the inside's all that matters. That's not what he said. It just says if you're more preoccupied with the outside than the inside, that's silly. That's hypocrisy. That's pleasing men. Amen. Verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so also outwardly appear righteous unto men. Again, just a complete disregard for, for an understanding of what is most important. But within they are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Verse 37, drop down to verse 37 in closing. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. God's calling. God's dealing to help you be whole, complete. Have your heart right, your spirit right. Have you focused on pleasing God? And in that, everything else is affected and blessed. Amen. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Sister Katie, can you join me on the platform and play something, please? Oh, hallelujah. To have a sincerity that people appreciate, that people sense in you, to have that attitude 
that spirit that people will see Jesus in you. You, We've got to be careful. I've got to be careful. That I don't forget about those weightier matters. That's what Jesus called them. That doesn't mean that all these other things are unimportant. It just means if I don't have first things in place, everything else is going to seem hypocritical, foolish. It's easier to try to have a reputation of holiness and not really have it on the inside. And a lot of people, I think even churches sometimes, strive for that. I want people to know. I want people to understand that we, we've got this. We believe this. But hey, let me tell you. Sometimes when I'm seeing that spiritual internal bleeding, I'm seeing spiritual cancers. Souls that have so much that is under the surface that is necessary for true holiness and really salvation itself. It's easy to to look at things that are important but really won't matter much until we get the camel out of the room. It's not that some things in this life or that life are acceptable in any way. No. I've seen people doing things and unacceptable. Not right with God. But before we deal with that, we've got to get the camel out of the room. We've got to deal with what's down in the heart. We've got to have a conviction there that will bring them an understanding of why some things are unacceptable, why some things aren't going to work. If we get all the gnats out of the room and there's still camels, people are going to be lost. If we get all the particulars in order and all the things that you see on the exterior cleansed and the inside is still full of iniquity, sin. The church hasn't helped anybody. God's got help for you today. God's going to help you cleanse your heart. God's going to help get rid of what you're searching, fulfill rather, what you're searching for inside. And everything else will fall into place. And teaching, preaching will help you. There's others that are, that many times they come to the house of God and they're, they're so far gone, so far gone. Only God can help them. It's not going to take the preacher preaching down their their row. and It's going to take a a miracle to convict their hearts and bring them to an altar. I want to make sure before I'm straining at gnats, I want to make sure the camels are out of the room. I want to make sure that the weightier matters are, are in place. How about you? Let's all stand. God, we love you. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to the Lord before we leave. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I will ever praise you. Oh, God, you are my God. God to have everything. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I will learn to walk in your ways. If somebody doesn't have the Holy Ghost, they're never going to walk in truth and in holiness. If somebody doesn't have an altar in their life, They're never going to really have everything that they need in God. Let's help people get to the altar. Let's help people get filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's help people see 
that there is a help, that Jesus is the answer. Oh, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Yes, God. Yes, God. I love you, Lord. I love you, God. Hallelujah. And I will learn to walk in your ways. Oh, he's so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's reaching for you. God's calling to you just like he did to Jerusalem. He said, I would gather you as a hen doth her chicks. I would gather you to myself. God's drawing you. Repent of your sins. Turn away from sin. Turn to God. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Him to to cleanse your heart. Ask Him to be your God. Turn away from that. Give Give God all your life and let Him give you strength to walk in a new way. Bible says be baptized in His name. For the remission of your sins. For the washing away of your sins. When you repent. When you pray to God and say, I'm sorry. I want to do your will. I want my life to be your, in your will now. Then you'll be baptized in His name. And you're buried that old life in the water. And let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. There's going to be that power to live right. To do right power to overcome all the temptations and the troubles of power to make it to heaven. Hallelujah. God wants to save you. God wants you to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Why don't you tell God, I want to be there. I want to make it. I've got to make it. Come on, let's all stand. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Thank you. Thank you for your help, God. Thank you for your mercy to us. Lord, we're asking you to Keep us in your care, God. Bless. Bless your people, God. Lord, God, use us for your glory. Help us to shine, Lord, to this dying, dark world. We'll give you all the glory and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.